Amen. It's good stuff. Good worship this morning. You guys are bringing it. Uh, so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, glad that you are uh, chosen to be here. And uh, the series we're in, Reimagine Life, we're going to see things, try to see things a little differently. And so to help us get into that mode a little bit, I'm going to make you do something a little uncomfortable. All right. Some of you have been sitting in the same seats all of your life. Okay. What we want to do is see things a little differently. So I'm going to invite you. We're going to have a second meet and greet time, and you're going to have about 30 seconds to find another seat. Here are the rules. You cannot sit within, we're going to say, 10 feet of where you're sitting right now, okay? You've got to expand your borders. I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You make your kids do it. You do it. Everyone stand to your feet and find another seat. Let's see, I'm trying to scan around and anyone not move. We have cameras, we'll check them later to see if you have the spirit of stubbornness in your, uh, your, your, your body. We saw, actually this is totally off script, but we were doing this tombstone thing uh, last two weeks ago and uh, one of, uh, I saw a quote that said, men are the most stubborn uh, people in all the world. And uh, there was like a second quote that from another guy, no, we're not, uh, is a response. But uh, it's hard sometimes to, 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 to move, but thank you for doing that this morning. Uh, in this series, really excited about what God's gonna do in our hearts and our lives, helping us to see differently. You're a different spot right now. And by the way, you can thank Mr. Mike Carr for getting you there. It was his idea about 10 minutes ago. But we wanna start this series, we wanna start this series with a question, okay? Here's the question. Have you ever had a desire for more? Have you ever had a desire for more? I think if we were honest, the answer is yes. I mean, there's something inside of us that wants more. We get that sense and we know it with, from advertisers or other places. When you go to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, or I don't know if they do that at Chick-fil-A, but they ask you if you get a, a, a value size, what do you want? Do you want it super size? Do you want more? Or you go to the uh, theater and if you decide to pay $20 for popcorn, which is about the small, remember those little? You can actually, they have like trash can size of popcorn. Have you seen those people? They're like huge trash cans and, they're, and they, you know that they're not gonna get there to the, the bottom, but they just want more. We want more. Those who like more love to shop at Sam's because they have great samples. They have very cheap hot dogs, but they also have lots of just stuff that you can buy for cheap and you get lots of them. You don't even need them, but you, you have them, right? We have that inside of us when we're kids. Like when, when I ask my son to do something, his response immediately, doesn't matter what I ask him, just one minute, dad, one more minute, dad, one more second, one more, one more, one more. Or if I say, they come up to me and ask me, can I have a cookie? Can I, have a, can I just have one cookie? Give them the cookie, what happens? Dad, can I just have one more cookie? <laughs> just, just one more? There's, there's something inside of us that wants more. We get into these routines of life, don't we? We find ourselves doing some of the same things over and over again. You get up in the morning, you have your routine in the morning, you go to work, you go to school, whatever that is, you find yourself getting home maybe later early, you eat, you binge watch that show that you really suddenly got into, or you watch, you get on Facebook for a few minutes and it repeats the cycle day after day. You just feel like you're in a cycle. 
And in the middle of that cycle, you're like, man, I just, I gotta make it to vacation. Or I've just gotta make it to this or to that. And we put things in front of us. And you ever in the middle of the cycle just said, there's gotta be more. There's got to be more than this. You know, I think the problem for us is that sometimes we have that feeling and, and we put something wrong in that more slot. We think, if I just have this, then I won't have that feeling anymore. What is the this in your life right now? For some students right now, it's the iPhone 6. If I could just get an iPhone 6, then everything will be fantastic. It'll be great. If I, oh, this is another, this is just teenagers, I'm sure. If I just had a girlfriend, then, or if I just had that car, that car, not the car that I'm in, but that car, because if I had that car, whoo, life would be so much better, wouldn't it? Or that house, or that job. My eye in this job is just, and if I just had a new job, right? We have that feeling, and we have this this that's there. If I just had more, and we find out something, we get all of that, the this, the it, and there's that feeling once again, isn't there? That this wasn't it. There's another more that's out there. I saw, I was reminded of this interview a, a few years back. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, we can't stand him, but he's a great quarterback for the Patriots. We wish he was on our team instead of our quarterback. I can't even think of his name right now. Um, but we, uh, Tom Brady, he's got it all. He's won, I think, three championships, married to a supermodel wife. He makes millions of dollars. He's good looking. We hate that part, guys. Uh, but he gave an interview a couple of years ago on 60 Minutes, and it was very telling. And I think it was just kind of, I, I missed it somehow, but I just dug up somehow this week. And I want to just show you a portion of what that, that interview said. Hmm. Pretty telling stuff. Having everything and still feeling, just the words that jumped to my mind, empty, without purpose, even a sense of despair. Or directionless. I wonder if people back in Jesus' time got into routines, got into that place of wanting more. I wonder on a Sunday morning in a, in a little town called Nazareth, if people just got even to the routine of coming to church. It's just what we do. You know, it's Sunday, you put, the kid, you put the clothes on, kids. Honey, do we have to go to church today? The Nazareth, I don't know, nectarines are playing today on TV. And... Uh, Nazareth, what would be a good Nazareth, N-word, Nazareth. Think about that, the Nazarite, Nazareth, Nazarites, the mighty Nazarites. Uh, I wonder if there was just a routine of church. Well, one day something changed. Something changed big time in the routine. Luke chapter four, you can go there if you, if you have your Bibles with us. Uh, Luke chapter four, this is a different day though. People were in the routine of coming to church and they came but this day was different. Jesus was there that day. They had a routine of the way they did things. They, they read scripture, they sang songs, they had different things that they read in different times. And at, at this morning, Jesus was asked to, to actually read the scripture. He took the scroll and he opened it up. And he opened it up to a passage. And I don't know for sure if it was a pre-designed passage for that day or if it was you know, one of those God moments, but there was a specific passage that he read. Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61. So Jesus unrolls the scroll and he gets there and you can go to Isaiah 61 or you can stay in Luke four. But here's what Jesus said that day as he, as he stood up and read scripture. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, if they were hearing this, they would immediately, good Jews knew the word. They knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. They immediately were thinking, this is Psalm 61. He's reading 61 and they're beginning to come alive in their, their eyes. They know this story. It was kind of a fairy tale like story. It was like the story that the, in, in the end, everybody, you know, kind of the, the princess or the prince saves the day or the princess uh, saves the day. This is that kind of story. And, and Jesus begins to describe it, Isaiah 61, the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. If you keep on reading to Isaiah, this is what it says, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to, be to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called, what? Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Isaiah 6 and 7, you keep seeing this image. And you will be called, what? Priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. So Jesus starts this passage in Luke 4. He just reads a few, but just reading a few verses there of, of Isaiah they would suddenly just remember the whole passage. And what does Jesus do? He rolls up the scroll and he puts it down. Now this is the part of the, the sermon, the, uh, this is the routine where someone gives comments. And when they do that, when they actually preached, they sat down. So Jesus sat down and everyone, all the eyes are glued on him. And they're waiting for the comments, the sermon. And he said this, and he said this very, very short phrase. Today, scripture is fulfilled in your presence. That's it. I don't even know how many words that is. Like seven, today scripture is fulfilled in your presence. That was it, the sermon. Now what is he saying? This prophetic message back in 2000 years ago in Isaiah, this message of freedom, this message of hope, this message of the, the prisoners will be released, the, sight will, the, the blind will see, those who are poor will receive good news. Jesus is what he's saying is, it's on like Donkey Kong. It's happening right now. Today is the day that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And some of you thought it's just, a, it's just a story. It's just, it's not gonna happen. It's not for real. And what Jesus is saying, it's, it's happening. And it's starting right now. Bam, bam. The kingdom of God is here. That's what he was announcing. And it starts today. And this was the beginning of his ministry. This was the beginning of his uh, ministry to the world. And he would teach and he would preach and then eventually he would die and he would be risen again. But this started this kingdom of God. Now we hear that phrase, the kingdom of God. And maybe that's just a church phrase we use, but I, I really want to, to give you a quick explanation of what he's saying. When Jesus over and over again, he says, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. You hear that phrase in, in Jesus' ministry. What he's saying is this, and I, I love the way a guy named Graham Goldsworthy says it. He says this, kingdom of God is God's people in God's place 
under God's rule. God's people in God's place under God's rule. That's what the kingdom is about. It's a people of God that are seeking after God's rule and God's way. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be in heaven. The kingdom of God is right here and it is right now and it is on. It is on. That's the picture that he's painting. So what does this announcement mean? What is this Isaiah 61? What is Jesus, when he says this is happening, the kingdom of God is here, what does that mean for us? Let me tell you, it means freedom. He announces freedom. And AKA, he gives salvation. That freedom for us, that the, the prisoners will be released. What is it from? From darkness. We live in a dark world. We live in a place that is, I gotta be honest, it's evil. It, evil surrounds us. And he gives us freedom and salvation from all of that. It's an announcement, a, a joyous announcement of freedom. There was an image that jumped into my mind when I was thinking about this week. It was actually a skit that we did three years ago, I think, at Easter. And it just, the birdcage skit is what it's called. And I wanted you to see it just to get an image of this, what this freedom really is all about. So check out the skit from the skit, guys. There's some of you in this room that has experienced that kind of freedom, the freedom that Christ brings. We were all in the cage. We were all, all there, every single one of us. If we, we had a story, we all have been to the pit. We've all seen darkness and evil. We've all done things that we regret. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I love what Dave Crowder said. I was reading an article and he said this, God doesn't come along to make bad people good. He came along to make dead people alive. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our, our sinful nature. And we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, God is not out to get you, folks. He is for you. He is the one that has opened the door of freedom. He is not out to get you. He loves you that much. He is rich in mercy, and he has made us, what, alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that we have been saved. It's by grace that that door is open. If you've experienced that, man, it's the, it's the most liberating day of your life that God would say, I love you that much. But there's, there's a problem. There's some people that don't know the door is open. There's some people that are still living in the cage. They're still living in, amongst darkness and, evil, and they, they're searching for that more. There's this new life that God gives us. It's not just about salvation. It's about transformation. And he takes us that have been freed and he transforms us. Let's, let's look and see what that looks like in Isaiah 61. What happened? We read, all, we read it pretty quickly uh, before, but I want us to, to, to really slow down a second. What does it say? Jesus' announcement, it brings transformation. Instead of being brokenhearted, he gives us comfort or peace. Instead of mourning over what we have done, don't have, he gives us joyous blessings. Instead of ashes or hopeless grieving, he gives us a crown of beauty instead of a spirit of despair. Do you know people that just have that spirit of despair? 
He gives us festive praise. Instead of shame, a double portion of honor. Instead of disgrace, we rejoice with everlasting joy. He replaces those things. He transforms us and he gives us brand new life brand new life. I love the story of Elijah and Elijah. It's hard to say those words, but they're Elijah with a J and Elijah with an S. Elijah is told by God to call Elijah with an S. So he goes to his home. He goes to his field. And uh, this Elijah with an S is plowing the field. Okay, he's plowing away because that's the life that he knew. And Elijah calls him, and by calling him, he basically put his cloak around him and said, come follow me, Be, follow the way of this, this God. Follow me. And what does Elijah do? What, what does Elijah do? It's a great verse, especially if you're kind of like this manly verses in the Bible. So Elijah returned to his oxen, and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast the flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Now, what is he saying? I ain't going back anymore. The oxen that I used to work with, he's dead. I can't go back to that life anymore. I am going a totally different direction, this brand new life. And we see that symbolized in a beautiful symbol of baptism. My old life is gone. And it's a brand new life in Christ. And we see that. It's what a great day when we see baptism. Because that's just such a symbolic picture of, of what's happening in us. This, this new life this new life in Christ. And that's what God has called us to. But there's a problem. Not everyone knows about this new life. Not everyone knows that the cage is open. You see that everywhere. People are searching for more, aren't they? But they're searching for the wrong more. I think that's why we've seen the last 45 years, suicide rate has gone up 60% people searching for more and not finding it and feeling that hopelessness and despair. We, we were shocked a couple of weeks ago when someone that has made the world laugh took his own life. We, we were all just, what? Despair, hopelessness, purposeless life. And we live in a broken world that is full of this darkness. And can I tell you, We live in a time now that we've kind of missed, maybe the church has missed it. The the last statistics that I saw that uh, the church, people that go to church, about 40% of people, that's what they say. But they did a recent survey and basically it says this, that only 20% of people actually go to church in America right now, like physically go to church. Um, And that that number, is, is regular church attendance is three out of eight Sundays, 20%. Somehow we've missed it. Maybe as a church, just universally, as I say the church, that, that we've missed it because God has, has given us this mission, this, this, this call that we have as his people to tell people the door is open. The door is open. It's It's open. A couple of verses for us to think about. Ephesians, it talks about, we talked about this great love. For we are God's masterpiece. And he's created us in Christ Jesus that we can do good things for us that he planned long ago. 
And then back to that Isaiah 61 passage, when he tells us about being transformed and about this new life that he's given us and that we've been released and that the prisoners have been set free. That's us who, who, who've come to know Jesus' love. What does he tell us? He says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of his splendor. He takes those who were broken, those people that were full of shame and despair and mourning, and he transforms them into oaks of righteousness. And, and that's not it. If you keep reading, what else does he transform those people that were of shame and despair? They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will replace and replace long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And in fact, if you read on, they will be called ministers. They will be called ministers, ministers of the gospel in the world. Why haven't, hasn't the church been more effective? Why haven't we seized this call to, to be the people that tell this good news, to be ministers of the gospel, to rebuild the ancient cities, the things that are ruined for generations? We've seen that, haven't we? For generations, it seems like there's a pattern. So why have we missed it? I think, as I've been just churning over this thought, I believe it's because we've settled for less. We've settled for less. Have you ever settled for less before? Um, going home maybe one day and you're like, you suddenly get a picture in your mind of a, an amazing meal. That meal that's like, okay, for me, the amazing meal would be uh, but grilling out steak. Not like steak, you just grab it. I mean, just marinated steak for, for days, okay? We're, we're not quite taste of Texas steak, but it's best that I can do, okay? And you put it on the grill and it's just, I just love the smell of the grill, I mean, it just, it just gets into, oh, it's just a great smell. And you, you hate it when somebody else is grilling beside you. You're like, ugh. Uh, but it's just, it's a great smell. And potatoes, and you've got some bluebell ice cream. And, but you're just so hungry. You want it now. And so what do you do? You settle. You settle for less. You see that, that stupid bell sign I just go to the Taco Bell real quick because I'm starving. And we settle. And we go and grab a quick meal. And you know, it maybe fills us that second. But suddenly later on, you're feeling that was not the best option for me. Okay? But we settle sometimes, don't we? Imagine that this way. What if, what if we went on a trip? Maybe you went on a trip. And uh, business trip, fun trip, whatever. And you go and you stay in a, in a hotel and you, you come to the very front. And the lady says, we, we actually, we, we, we gave you, we, we had some problems, some cancellation stuff. And the only room left, we have the best room in the hotel. It's for you. Okay. And you're like, fantastic. This is going to be great. And uh, they give you the key. You go upstairs, you open the door, you open it up. And you're like, hmm. So this is a nice room. I, this is a nice hotel. I like it's very nice. You go inside and you enjoy the room. It's 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 good. It's good. Um, and then you go downstairs, stay a night there. And uh, when you're passing out to go out, the uh, the guy at the front says, well, "What did you think about the room?" He's like, "Oh, it's good. It was not, thank you for asking. Very nice." And you just kind of strikes you as being curious that he would ask. And uh, then you you come back in and you go back. You're there for a couple of days. You you, you go back up to your room and uh, someone as you're passing by one of the bellboys hey what do you think about the room what, what do you think about the room you're like it's, it's a good room it's kind of strange and you go to your room 
And you, and you say, yeah, I'm getting hungry, thinking about that Taco Bell. Or, uh, and so you order uh, a cheeseburger. And uh, you order a cheeseburger through room service. A couple minutes later, you start to hear a knock <laughs> on the door. But it's a faint knock. And so you go to the door and you, and you open it. And uh, the guy, the guy that brings the room service stuff, never had room service before, uh, he, he actually is, is down the hall a little ways to another door. And he says, that, and you just turn to him, hey, hey, is that a cheeseburger? Is that, I think that's for me. And the guy looks over strangely and says, well, what are you doing over there? And the guy, he actually has a universal key and he opens the door over there. And then suddenly you hear another knock. You know that door that's inside the room? You know that door that's inside a hotel room? You hear the knock there. And you go to that inner door and you open it up to the most amazing suite you have ever seen. I mean, have you ever stayed in a hotel room like that? When I went to NYC 20 years ago, I mean, it was the most amazing hotel. There's a phone in the bathroom. But there's like, there's not just one room. We're not talking about the Motel 6 that my parents always had us in where the door always opens to the outside, you know? We're talking about the most glorious suite that you have ever seen. There's chocolates on the bed, people. Um, it's, that, it's that good. And the whole time, you've just been in the side room to the suite. I wonder, I wonder as Christians if we've just settled for the side room. I wonder. You see, I think some people just settle for a version of faith it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. They just settled for, okay, lists. Well, you don't do this and you don't do that. And if I have enough more, if I have more do's and don'ts, then maybe I'll one day, one day. Or maybe, maybe that God has more for us than that. I think he does. And, and, and some people, I think, have settled for a one-time prayer faith. If I just say this prayer, if I just ask Jesus into my life, then I get that out of jail free card. And if I just come so many, so many times to church a year, then I get to keep my card. And that's a good thing. And they've settled for far less. But God has so much more. He has so much more for us. And some people, they've reduced faith in church and walking with Jesus to the certain songs and style that we, we sing in church. You hear what I'm saying? That church has to be a, a certain way, and that's, that's my way, of course. <laughs> and they've settled for faith that's far less than what God has for us. And there are some people, I think that they've settled for a holy huddle faith. I'm gonna get a very small group of people together, and I, I'm just scared to death of everyone else, and so I'm just gonna keep our little group together, and we're just going to keep our little holy huddle. And if anyone tries to get in that group, <laughs> no, we're good here. I actually visited a church like that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the church, I mean, when Mel and I came in, they looked at us like we had the plague. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you actually saw people backing up a little bit, which makes you feel like you have bad breath. There are churches that are out there, folks. There are Christians that are out there. 
I mean, we see a whole group of people that have said, you know what, I'm just going to separate from society completely, and I can't, I'm just trying to get to heaven. Okay, let's just protect ourselves and everyone until we get to heaven. But I think God has more. I think God has more for us. I think God has so much more. Is it possible that we've just settled? Maybe you've just settled faith being just another thing to juggle in your life. It's just another thing in your list of stuff. The things that you have, there's this, you think I can juggle, don't you? Um, there's just things whoop, that you have in the routine of life that just cause you to be really busy, Ooh, really busy. I mean, you've got lists, don't you? And, and sometimes faith and God and church, they make it to that list that week, but sometimes that's just the ball that we drop right? And we've reduced faith. What, what if God has so much more for us? What if he has more? I, I think if, if, we, if we, we wrap our mind around the more, if we reimagine life to what God wants for us, I, I think he's going to blow us away. And, and to have more, guess what? We need a bigger balloon. Right? You need a bigger balloon. And, and to imagine more, to think about more, to think about what God can do in a life. Because guess what? God doesn't want us to settle for measurably less. He wants for us to have immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. Let's, let's actually read this passage before we get to the balloon part. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. It says this. You can hopefully you can see it on the screen. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. I kneel before the Father. And what he's saying here is this. And people, when they would pray, they would stand. But what Paul is saying here is, I get on my knees. I am begging you. I am begging God. From I kneel before the Father from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. And what is he praying? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. I'm praying that Christ would dwell in your hearts. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We've been trying to fill ourselves for far too long and we have settled for something far less, something very measurably less. But God has more. And to have more, we need a different power source. Because you see, the power that we have, it's really not that powerful. We get tired. We get tired. We do. We need a source that is much more powerful. And so, let's see what this looks like. Cross your fingers and people in the front row, uh, be afraid. <laughs>
Is he gonna pop? Let's stop there. <laughs> Woo! How big do you think we can get it? Pretty big? Measurably less, immeasurably more. I'm going to tie that off before, actually, can you hold that for me? Eddie. There we go. You can focus on the balloon for a few seconds. So how do we get it? How do we get immeasurably more? How do we get this immeasurably more in our lives? And how do we stop settling for less? How do we do that as, as a Christ follower and as a Christ following community of believers? How do we do this? Let's take a look at that, that verse again. And I pray that you being rooted and established in what? In love. Rooted and established in love. Remember Oaks of Righteousness? Rooted in, this is kind of all coming together here. Established in love. Just found this picture. It's the, the one with the, the heart and the tree there. Just kind of a cool picture from the Google machine. I love it. It's just this tree that it's, its roots are in, it's in the heart. It's in the love of God. The love of God is what empowers us. Love is one of those powerful things, if not the most powerful thing in all the world. God's love, is, it, just, it blows us away. We see it in that moment of salvation. We've seen it on the cross. We've seen it in a God that loves us so much that he would give his life for us. But it's not just a one-time event. It's a relationship that grows inside of us. And this love is deep. And we want to put roots into this love. When we have roots into other things, limited, limited. And this love is our source of power. It is our source of power. Now, I know guys in the room, you're thinking, well, I want like a, a better source of power, like some kind of like power tool or like a move, an MMA move, or maybe a gun because they're very powerful and they're fun. But what he's saying is this, it's not an external power, but it is an internal power. It is a power that's on the inside. It's this love that lives inside of us. And it's the love that builds, it rebuilds, it repairs, it restores, it renews. There's a, there's a theme here. When the absence of love, when there's not that love, what are the words that we sense? Void. Empty. You, you see that even, I, I bet if we did a survey of, uh, at a prison, the people that have lived in the absence of love in their family and in their environment has led them down a path of destruction and pain and hurt. When there are environments of love, when there are cultures of love, people are drawn to it. They're drawn to it and it builds and it repairs. That's what love does. That's what God's love has done for us. When the most powerful force on earth is directed at you and me by the most powerful being in the universe, our Lord and our creator, something powerful happens. When God's love is just poured out on us, when we are rooted in that love, something happens to us. And not just me, us, but us, us. You know why? You know why people don't come to church? I, I saw a, a, a video the other day. Guy was, I said, why don't you ever come to church with me? I invite you all the time. And he said this, why should I come to church? You are just like me, except you don't have, you have like a, a two hours less time on Sunday morning. You look the same. And wherever you're going, 
I'm going because we're the same people. But when, when you're enrooted and you are established in love and that is power in your life by the Spirit, we all begin to look different. This place begins to look different. The culture, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about creating a culture of God's love. And out of this love, God's going to do amazing things. He's going to do powerful things because when the most powerful thing in the universe pours out the most powerful thing upon us, his love, powerful stuff happens. It does. Listen to this verse. This is the, the NLT version of verse 19, 319. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. God's love is too big for us really to get my, our mind around. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt that before when you're looking out to the ocean and you just go, whoa. I mean, it just keeps going. I mean, there's no stop to it. That's God's love. It's too big, it's too great to, for us to wrap our minds around his love, how wide and how deep and how, wow. He wants us to wrap our minds around what the love of God looks like. And when that happens, and so how does this look? What does this look? Give me some nuts and bolts. What is this gonna do for our church? How, how is this gonna look? We've been, we've been praying and seeking God. As we think about creating a culture, we're creating a place where God does immeasurably more than we can ask or think or imagine. He wants to do more than we can imagine in your life and our lives together. We, we've come up with some values and some things, and we're gonna be talking about those in the next few weeks. These are the nuts and bolts. We're kind of thinking thematic right now, but right in the next few weeks, we're gonna start talking nuts and bolts. How can we live this out? And there's some values that we're gonna rally behind, and we're gonna grow and get closer as a culture as we're leaning into who we are who we're gonna be together. And I just wanna throw them out to you. This is, kind of a, this is called a tease or commercial for weeks ahead. But we're gonna talk about this. As a people of God, if we experience God's love, then God, we wanna respond to this love. If, if you've experienced this love, if it's just hit you, then there's, there's, there's kind of a natural byproduct, a response. When the Isaiah 61 passage, their response was pretty clear. I am overwhelmed with joy. I have joy in my life. I have peace in my life. I have this, this, this unfathomable amount of love for people that I shouldn't have love for. And people, they notice that. They notice that. There's a response to God's love. And the response to God's love, it, 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 it builds something and a desire in us to, re, to rebuild authentic community. We don't have community in our world. We have Facebook relationships that are this deep and this long. But God has called us and a desire to have actual community where the masks are just, not just left in the car, they're thrown away. That we live in authentic community. That we realign our lives to follow him. That we, we seek to follow him with all that we do. That we respond to God's love by restoring the brokenness in our world because we see it everywhere. And that's the call of God in our life. And to reveal his light. And these are, you can see a theme here. We want you, we're throwing them out there today because I want you to begin to remember them and to think about them because we're gonna lean into these things. We're gonna lean into these, these cultural uh, qualities of who we are, the things that we value more than anything. And this is gonna be who we are. And I'm excited about what God's gonna lead. And so begin to pray about this, begin to think about this. The, the worship band is coming up now. We're gonna sing a song. But as you're, you're thinking about this, I want you to pray. I want you to even live in Ephesians. It's a great book. Live there. Live in Isaiah. Begin to just look at these words and seek and desire, God, I want more. 
I'm tired of being satisfied with less. I'm tired of just shoving you in a box and putting you in my pocket to pull out whenever. That's not what God's created us to be. It's so much more than that. And he wants so much more for your life, for your family, and for our community and our church. And I believe he's gonna do it. I don't just believe it. I know he's gonna do it. I know he's gonna do it. I know he's gonna do it. I want that more than anything. And that's my prayer as we've heard Paul. is like, I pray that you wrap your mind around this. If you could just get a hold of God's love. If you could get a hold and grasp that, Jesus will come and make a home in your heart. It's unfathomable to us. It's hard for us to get our minds around that kind of love. But Jesus loves you that much. He loves us that much. And he wants us to be a community that reflects that love. Would you pray with me? God, God, you're so good to us. Lord, thank you for setting us free. Or Lord, we just praise you today. God, we gather in your house to praise you, to worship you, to thank you, Lord. God, I remember the days that I felt trapped, that I felt empty in despair, Lord. I remember the choices and the places they led me, trying to fill the emptiness, try to, trying to fill the void in life, but it wasn't enough. It's not enough. Jesus, thank you for that day where you set me free. Lord, I begin a relationship. That's the beginning, Lord. We're so thankful for that relationship, God, that one day that we, we asked you into our lives and you set us free. If there's someone here today, Lord, God, that, that hasn't experienced that freedom, they've heard about it maybe all their life, but they haven't, they haven't taken a step out of the cage and they're living in darkness. Jesus, I pray that a step of faith would happen right now, that they would ask you into their heart and their lives and they would, they would establish these roots in your love instead of the stuff that the world tells us that we need and have, we should be chasing after. Jesus, I pray that as a community of believers, oh God, we wouldn't be a, a community of insiders that are pushing people away but instead that there would be something that's happening inside of us, this power, this spirit, this love that's inside of us that is growing so big and so boldly into our lives, God, that, that people would walk into the doors of this building and suddenly they would just sense something different. These people are different. I don't know what's, what's different about them, but I wanna find out. But they wouldn't just sense it here, Lord, that they would sense it every single place that we go. Every conversation that we have, every time that we, you have an encounter with someone, that the love of, of, of you would pour out of us, Lord. Oh, God, help us. Help us not to settle for so much less when you have so much more for us. God, we seek you with all our hearts. Today we declare who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. We love you and we pray these things in your name. And all God's people said... I invite you to stand. A powerful song we sang earlier. And I, I wanted you, to, as you're singing, don't just, just blast through the words. I want you to embrace the words. I want you to, if you're not a singer, just say it in your heart and your mind and begin to have a conversation. God, I want more of you. I want more of your love. Pour out on me today. Let's sing and worship him. Sing with us.